KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. G'day guys and welcome back to the Dylan Friends Podcast. This week for the last episode of 2019 Season 2, I have a very special guest. I think somehow I forgot how special this bloke was. One of the best commentators of all time. One of the best fishermen of all time. And now, most importantly, one of my favourite shows of all time, Rex Hunt. We touch on it all. Growing up, being a police officer, playing AFL, transitioning to commentary, fishing around the world, the highs and the lows. I cannot thank this bloke enough for coming on the show. He absolutely gave it his all, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Also, for the last show... It'd be absolutely remiss of me not to thank and give my love to all of you listeners. I honestly cannot thank you enough for all of your love and support this year. You've changed my life. Uh, I cannot express how grateful I am, and I cannot wait to give back next year and make the show even better and more consistent. The Dylan Friends community is the best punch of people I've had the pleasure of meeting, and I can't wait to meet even more. With a good mix of having fun, getting better, and most importantly, being ourselves. It's 2020 vision, baby. I'm excited. It's going to be huge. I can't wait for all of you to join the journey. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Have a happy new year. Have a cordial for me. Don't forget to give your dad a kiss on the lips. And always remember, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Illy. Hi, this is the Dill and Friends podcast. I'm Deborah, Dylan's mum. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you like the show as much as I do. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Rex Hunt, uh, this is huge. I speak for my generation in this. Uh, I grew up listening to football, watching football, and it was footy and Rex Hunt. So for me to sit down here today with you... It's, it's an absolute honour. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Well, isn't that fantastic, Dylan? And uh, to those people listening, uh, it surprises me that a young bloke like you can even remember me. Because, you know, uh, on the way in, uh, a bloke said to me on the stairs, he said, uh, my father said you used to be Rex Hunt. And uh, I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> But, it, but it's lovely to get those compliments and uh, now get to the serious questions, young man. I will. I will. I've got plenty here, so there's plenty to get Fantastic. through. But uh, again, thank you so much for your Pleasure. time. Uh, this podcast, how it works, I like to start at the beginning because I feel like that's always a good place to start. Well, it is. Uh, March 7th, 1949. It's your birthday, I'm hoping. Yes. It's correct. Uh, and uh, when I was born, they slapped my mother. So we're absolutely <laughs> right on line here with where you're going there, mate. Yeah, for sure. That was the next question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, growing up in Mentone. Yes. What were you like as a kid? Uh, unsure, uh, overweight, uh, very, very individual, uh, and probably just lacked confidence. Apart from that, I was a star. But on a serious note, I, I was a loner. Um, 
I wouldn't say that I was bullied, but I was made feel insignificant uh, by my brother and his mates and all that sort of stuff. And I would just be at cricket training or football training and just be something that would be used to actually retrieve the ball. And that was that, that, that was a big, big start for me because it took me a long, long time. It took me many, many years down the track before I discovered the greatest thing known to mankind or womankind, whatever you're supposed to say on these podcasts, that if you don't believe in yourself, how on earth are other people going to believe in you? And I just uh, just got on top of a wave at 17 years of age, went to Richmond and, uh, and got my confidence and away I went. But the early years, uh, they... You wouldn't believe, you know, I went to Sunday school. Uh, I got sprung uh, for knocking off a couple of soft drinks out of the gymnastic area and it uh, wasn't really my go. And the only time I spoke to the good Lord was when I was in trouble. Uh, always ran the, ran the boundary for the local football club, the under-13s, because I wasn't good enough. And uh, But one thing that I did love was fishing. And the old Mentone Pier, when I say the old Mentone Pier, it's now demolished there. But that's really where I found my love of fishing. I was just absolutely captivated by the garfish swimming through the waves and the clear water and the old guys with their long poles and their, their cobhorn uh, pipes smoking away and you know giving everyone lung cancer from passive smoking. But I learned a lot just by sitting back and watching them fish and the rest is history. You know, I've taken my love of fishing as a business and a love right around the world. The rest is history. You it obviously is. have, and we will we will touch on that later. Uh, we've skipped quite ahead, but it, it's it's a fascinating story because again, there's Rex Hunt, the footy player. There's Rex Hunt, the commentator, the fisherman, and hopefully we get to touch on them all today. Yeah. Uh, you touched on earlier about that self confidence. Um, it's something that a lot of young men struggle with. Um, yeah. I think that everyone would have to. It's probably just the the levels of how it goes. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned on when you got to Richmond. That's when it came. Was that just because you were playing senior football or was it the people you met there that you learnt things off? Because I know myself when I, you know, I probably didn't get the confidence in myself until I finished footy. Mm. And that's probably, I got that from learning what not to do. The confidence came when I found out that of the 52 young 16-year-olds, the hopefuls, on the 1st of February uh, 1965, that only four of us would play league football. I suppose that's where everything changed. It was a matter of survival, and I have a look at some of the young kids who played practice games and were climbing over the top of packs uh, during training, that they should have played 200 games of league football. They should have played, you know, in two premierships, but they didn't. And I suppose that was a turning point of my game. Probably three years earlier, when I went from an overweight, uh, unsure, little bumbling kid into a, a, a young young man that grew three or four inches in the next couple of years and started to take towering marks that I gained confidence. And, and I say to so many kids now, particularly school kids, if I've got an opportunity to speak to them, Dylan, is find something you love doing and get someone to pay you to do it. Mm. And if you love something you do and get someone to pay it, if you actually do it on your day off, well, yibbity yibbity, there's nothing more. So what do I do on my day off now? I go down to Sandringham and watch the young budding players down there for Sandringham versus Coburg or something. And what do I do on my day off now, which is most days, go fishing. And that's what it's all about. Find something you love doing and get someone to pay you to do it. I love it. I love it. And that's probably what I'm trying to do now. Yeah. After footy, finding that passion and that's what it is. And interviewing you is just one of those moments. Fantastic. your commentary career can sometimes probably overshadow what you actually achieved in the in the VFL at that time. Um, you're an incredible player in your own right, from what I've been told. Obviously, I wasn't born when you were there, uh, when you were playing. Yeah. Uh, two flags, 
at Richmond. Yes. Nearly a third. Yeah. What do you think were your strengths as a player? I know you talked about the big marks, but maybe even who were some of the most toughest opponents you played on back then? All right. A couple of uh, answers to that one. Uh, my success came from being able to just fit in with the team. Because when you got players like Kevin Bartlett and Royce Hart and Bill Barrett, uh, Michael Green, who was just a fantastic player uh, in finals particularly, and a bloke called Francis Burke and Triple Brownlow medalist Ian Stewart, a little boy from Parkdale, Mrs. Uh, Hunt's boy, Rexy, uh, just had to fit in. And where, where my success at Richmond came was I could fit in almost anywhere from the ruck to centre-half forward to full forward to centre-half back to full back to the back pocket. And I think that was not the secret, but that was the, the essence, the very, very foundation of what I was about. I was lucky to go to Richmond at the time when a lot of young players came to the Tigers. And uh, a lot of your listeners mightn't realise, young man, that the biggest decision that Richmond made was in 1965 when they, they changed their home ground from the Punt Road over where they have the Tigers headquarters now to the MCG. And they did that because they knew that grand finals were won on the last Saturday in September with six foot four blokes taking big marks and, uh, and kicking goals. And that's, that was the philosophy. It was just a marvellous uh, period of my life. And, uh, you know, those seven years or six and a bit years I spent at Richmond, I ended up playing 13 finals and three grand finals and two of them were lucky uh, to win. But uh, they were great days and set me up in my business life, those particular successful days. Yeah, I'm sure you learn a lot from those, um, those moments. No doubt. Now, back in, uh, back in that day, it was obviously it's well documented that players would play VFL and obviously work. And it was amazing for me to find out that you were actually a police officer yeah. back in the day. I was. And you were a sergeant. Yeah. So you were quite highly ranked. Yes, I was, because I was a career uh, policeman. Uh, I joined the police force at 16 years of age as a police cadet. They don't have that particular facility anymore. Uh, and I just I just loved it. But then uh, it, it, it became very, very hard playing league football when you'd come off duty at 7 o'clock in the morning and you might have had uh, an accident to go to or someone's door to knock on and say someone had unfortunately passed away or you'd had a blue in a pub with somebody and then, you know, have a few hours sleep and then go and play football and then be back at work at 9 o'clock that night. But that's just the way it, uh, it happened. The thing about it is uh, 202 games that I played uh, in, in, in my league football career, every one of those that I was a police sergeant. I started off as a constable, of course, and then a senior constable. But I'm very, very proud that I did it. But as soon as I finished my league career, I just thought I don't want to do this anymore because everything I did in my police career involved people's misfortune. Mm. As I said, whether it was a car accident or having to lock someone up that you knew or having to knock on someone's door and give them a death message. And I just thought to myself then, and, and what I said to you earlier on, young Dylan, was find something you love doing and get someone to pay you to do it. What do I love? Fishing. So I started up a fishing tackle store. What do you love? Football. I've always wanted to be a football broadcaster and you might as well give it a go. And in 1979, Harry Beitzel invited me to 3OW and uh, the rest is, as they say, history. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> we would have made a good team back in we the would. day. We would. You just remind me of Clinton Grivers because he just filled it in. <laughs> um, just quickly on the on the police, uh, being a police officer though, is there any stories, because I'm, I'm a bit of a crime nuffy, I don't you know take uh, pleasure in misfortune, but I'm always interested in police. Uh, yeah. Policing, uh, investigating, um, you know, dealing with things that 
against the law, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out? Any stories in your time that is, is anything stuck with you over over your career? Or, or apart apart from a bloke uh, who we couldn't catch when I was a uh, detective senior constable at the Brighton CIB. And he would terrorise people in state banks only. That was his modus operandi. He would only go to the state banks. And we eventually got him. But the thing about it is he would get a sawn-off shotgun and walk in and point it at a lady or a man, and they would be affected for life. One of the great satisfactions is we got him. Uh, we had one of the young blokes grow his long hair and uh, get up on a motorbike and just be there. And we followed this bloke and we got him. But I suppose the biggest thing I was involved in was a thing uh, called, and you can dial this up, uh, the cat burglar who used to specialise in getting into Jewish homes in the eastern suburbs, used chloroform to put them to sleep and steal their jewellery. Of course, like any crook, they had an outlet and uh, and we ended up getting the whole bunch when I was in charge of St Kilda. And that was very, very satisfying, seeing, seeing the look on the crook's face when the door slams behind him. It's fantastic. Unbelievable. And, you know, with the men and women of the police force today, you know, I've just got so much admiration because it's one job that I wouldn't go Toughest back to. Toughest job in the world. Toughest job in the world. You never know what's going to happen. Of course. Uh, you spoke about your love for commentating, the yes. passion you had for that before you even started. Yes. What was the pathway? How did that work? Was there opportunity to someone tap you on the shoulder? Yeah. The pathway was listening to Alan McGilvray, who was a famous cricket commentator from the ABC who I used to call the Tobin Brothers. And I used to make my fishing rods and my garfish floats and sinkers out in my old man's workshop at Parkdale, where I lived uh, a lot of my life. And he'd have the, the old-fashioned Astor radio with the, the, the valves and that sort of thing and plugged into the electricity. And the thing about Alan McGilvray was on the first over of a Boxing Day test, he could take you right into the middle of the MCG with a little bit of crowd manipulation on the panel back at the, the ABC studio at Dalstonwick. I was absolutely fascinated by blokes like him and Joe Brown, the race caller, and Bill Collins, a young race caller. And I decided to myself that I would love to actually broadcast football. Had no qualifications, didn't go to any broadcasting school or any radio school. So what I did is I used to broadcast to myself and I used to practice my football as a kid. And on my last game, which was round, round 18 of 1978, I played for St Kilda. I kicked three goals on a, on a champion of, uh, of, of your father's club called Jeff Southby. And I thought to myself, at 29 years of age, the game is passing me by. And I'd mentioned to Harry Beitzel, who came down in the rooms a couple of weeks earlier, and he was a, the big gun here at 3RW, that I'd like to try and, uh, and, and give radio broadcasting. He said, well, I can't guarantee, brother, any broadcasting, but what I'd like you to do when you retire is to join me and Bill Jacobs at 3RW and be an around-the-groundsman. And that's what I did for three years. And then he gave me a couple of opportunities to broadcast, and I went okay. I was a pretty hard marker, but I went okay. He said I'd, I'd gone okay, but I certainly needed to get a lot more experience. He said, and you won't get it here because Bill and I are the team. Sydney were starting to play their games in Sydney, or South Melbourne were starting to play their games in Sydney. And he suggested to me to look around to another radio station. So I approached uh, 3DB. And Bert Newton was in charge at the 3DB radio station. And they're all the Herald Sun and the Weekly Times, that sort of thing. And I approached them with the idea of a fishing program on a Saturday morning. 
and they actually grabbed it because they had a sponsor, Haynes Hunter, and away they went. And then Stan Rofe, who was one of the biggest names in radio, and, and, and some of your older listeners, Dylan, uh, and I hope they're listening. Uh, otherwise, they've been to the Tobin Brothers, like I'm going there pretty soon. But the thing about it is that Stan Rofe said, I heard a tape of you on 3AW, and I like your style. Would you like to call a game next week with Mike Williamson? You know, Jezalenko, you beauty! And, uh, and Mike Williamson and I teamed up, and we were together for eight years. And then 3DB uh, sold uh, to a crowd in Sydney, which is similar to, you know, what goes on in modern radio now. And I came back to 3AW, and they said, oh, you know, uh, Harry's still here and all that sort of stuff, and, uh, but we can give you a fishing show. So I started my fishing show again at, uh, in 1988 on 3AW, and uh, the rest is? History. It is. <laughs> and uh, Harry Beitzel moved to 3MP with Bob Skilton and a bloke called Graham Dawson, Smokey Dawson. And Mike Peterson, who was in charge of 3AW, said, would you like Harry Beitzel's job? So when I picked myself up off the carpet and dusted myself down, I said, yeah, I'll give it a go. And uh, the rest is? History. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you come up with all your famous quotes and sayings? You've got the nicknames. Yeah. Uh, Coup de Vitamides. Yeah. Uh, the Cranium. Yeah. Uh, the Fat Lady Sings. The Golf Ball. Spalding. Uh, what I've seen. What were, were they planned? Did they come off the cuff? No, what? they came off the cuff mainly. Uh, but the thing about it is I decided, and uh, and no one suggested this, and, and what, a, what a lot of people probably don't know about me is that I love business. You know, they see me on the television with fishing and they hear me on the radio with footy, is that I've, I've turned both fishing and football into a family business that my granddaughters can enjoy, particularly our business in fishing tackle. And the thing about it is I knew I had to be different. <coughs> I knew I couldn't be, I think the word is a clone of, of Harry Beitzel and carry on like Harry and that sort of thing. And uh, I think the, the most... Uh, Poignant, I think is, I can't spell it, but at the poignant uh, uh, time was the first moment of the 1989 grand final when uh, Gary Ablett took a mark after uh, Dermot Brereton was felled in the middle by Mark Yates. And it went something like this, and it, uh, it went, you know, an umpire, Darren Goldspink, goes bang into the centre of the ground. It's knocked out by Burke to Buse. Buse to Brown on hand pass to Besto. He Ablett! And away it went. And Dermot Burton's laying in the middle of the ground looking like a crashly killed sheep. And Mark Yates is walking around like a cat that stole the milk. And uh, I remember Bill Jacobs, the late Bill, Bill Jacobs, and he was a fantastic broadcaster. I remember the look that he gave me. It was as if it's, it was as if I had my pants down. He just couldn't believe it. But suddenly, all of a sudden, people uh, got used to it. And uh, we used to go down to Geelong. And as soon as Ablett went near the ball, the whole crowd went, Yablet! And somebody said, why Yablet in relation to Ablett? You know what I mean? Well... Some of your listeners who haven't gone to the Tobin Brothers, and I'm getting plenty of quotes for my prepaid funeral. <laughs> some of your listeners, young man, would remember the days of black and white uh, movies at the theatres around Coburg and Mentone and Frankston. On Saturday afternoon, they had a matinee. Uh, and you'd pay uh, 15 cents to get in, which was one shilling and sixpence. You'd get six penneth of uh, lollies on the way in. The shilling was to get in. And there was a comedy duo called Abbott and Costello. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, and you have no idea who, who they are. No. And you know what? They have any idea who you are because they've both <laughs> gone to the Tobin Brothers about 50 years ago. So they were flying upside down in a Tiger Moth aircraft, which I don't suggest anyone out there do. You know, don't do this at home. And Bud Abbott 
was absolutely wetting himself. You know what I mean? And uh, and and Lou Costello uh, just went, yeah, and that stuck with me as a seven-year-old. And I just thought, you know, Burke knocks it down to Buse, Buse hand past the Brownless, Brownless across the Besto, yeah, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freer versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. <laughs> now while we're on the topic of 3AW, there, yep. was, a, there was a famous a day out there where Ron Barassi was, <laughs> uh, was, was aware of some weather happening yeah. down at Cadinia Park. Well, there was. It was half time and uh, Hawthorne and Geelong were 8-8-56, brother, each of two. <laughs> Uh, we'd gone back to the studio and uh, Leo O'Keefe, who was the panel operator, said, we're coming down. Uh, we've got the Bureau of Meteorology on the line. There is a huge weather front coming through Point Jellybrand, right from Lawn down to Apollo Bay and then back this way to Aries Inlet. And it looks like uh, that the southwesterly is going to hit and Geelong will be kicking with the wind for two consecutive quarters, which is amazing. They kick with the northerly at halftime. So, yes, and three, two. And welcome back to 3RW Football for Chocolatey Chocolates and the Mockapan scoreboard. Geelong, 8-8-56, brother. And Yablat has kicked five of those goals. And Hawthorne, 8-8-56 each of two. And Jason Dunstall has kicked four goals. It's magnificent. Now, now before you go on, Ron Barassi, we have from the Bureau of Meteorology, Ivan Longgrass, who has sent through... Who? I said, it's Ivan Longgrass, and Sam said, who? Sam Newman just uh, let me say, this is big news because Geelong might be kicking with the wind for two consecutive quarters. Now nah, that's... Bolted. Ron, please help. They've just kicked with a Nordley. They're going to kick in. Ron, there is a big weather front coming through Point Jelly Brand, right between Cape Otway and Aries Inlet. It is moving quickly through Beach Forest towards Colac, and the Bureau of Meteorology have issued a sheet, uh, a, a sheep weather alert. And uh, Ron said, no, 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 no. He said, it's a sheet weather alert. I said, Ron, it's a sheep. It's a sheep, not bad. It's a sheep weather alert warning the, the, uh, the graziers to move stock to higher ground because of this impact. It's a sheep weather alert, Ron. Uh, uh, yes, Sam? Sa- Ron, yes, Sam. It's a sheep weather alert. Ron said it's a sheep weather alert warning housewives to take their sheets off the clothesline because of pending weather. And I just thought, I just I was just speechless, Sam. You take over. And yeah. Sam looked at Ron and said, you idiot, Ron. <laughs> and uh, I think the next ratings came out and we got about 28s and we blew the Tobin brothers to the Scheisenhausen. So how about that? So, yeah. I'm sitting down with one of the greatest callers well, that's, all a, time. that's a given. Let's if get on not, with it. Yeah. The greatest. <laughs> Don't know about that. That's in someone's opinion. In, you, you, and you know, if you haven't got critics, young man, you haven't got anything because you can please some of the people some of the time and you, can, uh, you, know, you can't please everyone all the time. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. I want to put it to the test. Would you be interested in doing a phantom call? 
just all depends what the payment is. It's a family show. <laughs> Plenty of cash. <khaki. laughs> I've got your phantom sheet here. You've looked at it for about three seconds. There's a few names there, and we're going to run play by play. I'm looking forward to it. The stage is yours. And here come the GWS who have been NFG today. Toby Green, Uncle Toby, a long hand pass to the cranium. McBean, oh, does a little bit of a will of the western hand pass to Tommy Sheridan. Horse teeth, got dad, kiss a Dylan Buckley. 30 metres out, goal! Goal! And the GWS have come back from the brink of disaster and there's only a few seconds to go. Rex, that's the that's probably the best moment of my life. I've I've done eight years in the system. I tell you now, there's nothing nothing better than that. Like I, you can't top it. Well, that's what I'm just saying. On a serious note, you know, people say, "Listen to that idiot." But the people who call me an idiot, I've been retired for 15 years. My wife and myself sit on 1A and 1B on Lufthansa Flight 686 to London three times a year. We live in a beautiful house, and that's what I'm seriously saying to the people out there. It is. Find something you love doing, something you're good at, and get someone to pay you to do it. Uh, and that's it. it takes care of and, itself. And, and the biggest thing about it is, is that no matter what, if you haven't got critics, you've got nothing. Because as soon as you try and please everybody listening or everyone watching, you're wasting your time and you'll end up like me, bald as a badger <laughs> and bald as a young cranium who got that hand pass away to the fish kisser. <laughs> uh, not the fish kisser, the dad kisser. <laughs> yeah. Should I know anything more about dad kisser? No, we, we'll just move on from that one, I sounds think. Sounds like it might be a cross bass straight, but just get on with it, mate. No worries. <laughs> um, we talk about before your Rex Hunt fishing show. It's obviously something that's if not well known as that for commentating, it's the, the fishing. Yeah. So I've heard another tale that Rex Hunt's fishing show was actually broadcast over the globe. Oh, it was. So Italy, yeah. England, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And the stories of you being noticed over in Italy. Probably more Amsterdam than Italy. Uh, and, and the biggest, uh, there's no doubt that the biggest per capita uh, audience in the Northern Hemisphere was London because we were on Channel 4 in London. Uh, in the middle of the winter, and over there, uh, I don't know whether you know or not, at three o'clock it's dark mm. and it's freezing. And we were on at five o'clock at night before the news, which was huge. And uh, we got great recognition. We set up a good business over there. And then we went to Sky Channel and went right throughout Southern uh, Europe. And even at one stage, I think, we were in, into Russia. And uh, so it was just, it was mind boggling. And, uh, you know, I can remember in London, uh, in the middle of winter, we'd, we'd gone over there. Uh, they'd uh, made the Rex Hunt fan club. And uh, you got to understand the tall poppy syndrome here that some people who thought, you know, that I was a dickhead and a wanker and that sort of thing, they believe that they should be where you are, but they don't get up early enough and they're not smart enough. So that's what I'm saying to you or anyone out there is that if you don't accept people will criticise you, don't go into any venture. You know what I mean? Work for the public service or something like that. 
But if you want to do things like I've done in footy and fishing and be an individual, you know, Mark Jackson's a very good example. He sang a song called I'm an Individual and sold a, you know, a, a humongous contract with Energizer batteries. And everyone thinks, oh, he's an idiot, that sort of thing. Well, Mark Jacko is a very, very smart fellow. So we went uh, for morning tea at Harrods which is down near uh, Oxford Street, and we we're walking across the zebra crossing and the London Bobby was helping every. He said, oh, yabba-dabba-doo-gov, kiss the fish. I said, it's yibbity yibbity you idiot, but that'll do. <laughs> and my wife said to me over a cup of coffee, which cost me uh, an arm and a leg, cost me about seven quid, which is about $18 for a, uh, a coffee. She said to me, do you realise that we're 22,000 kilometres from home and the London Bobby knew who you were? And I said, yep, that's... So it's got its, uh, it's, got its uh, attractiveness and it's got its drawback. But I just absolutely loved every minute of it because, it, you know, while it was all about me, it was about fishing as well. Now, I know you love your fishing, but I think there's one of my friends, uh, Jeremy Cameron, yes. plays for the Giants, yes. Cobham medalist this year. Yes. He's a part-time footballer, full-time fisherman. Yeah. This bloke, he, I've never seen anything like it. I, I think you guys would get along. Um, he's actually recorded a special message today. Does, 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 uh, I think that young man lives near the Grampians. Uh, he's from that way, yes. Yeah, yeah from, he's, he's out Portland. Way. Yeah, yeah. So he's from there. He obviously lives up in Sydney now, but um, when he found out that I had you on the show, really, he wanted to record something. That's fantastic. Mind, so I'm just going to play it. G'day, Rex. It's Jezza Cameron here, mate. Um, or more importantly, to the outdoor community, they like to call me the outdoor athlete these days. And, uh, you know, I've always loved my fishing, but I tell you what, you first got me into fishing, mate. You were my childhood fishing hero. Um, I, I miss watching your your shows and hearing the voice say yibbita yibbita and uh, thank you mother for the rabbits. I'll tell you what, um, I used to say that around Dartmoor back in the day. Uh, I'm back here at the moment actually and uh, the, the esky's full of gummy shark. I went down there last night and caught three nice gummies off the beach. I'll tell you what, they taste pretty, pretty bloody good and... Uh, Unfortunately, I, I didn't kiss these ones and throw them back like you used to, mate. They, they're a bit too tasty, and, and being Christmas, I have to put something on the table, mate. But uh, <laughs> if you're up in Sydney and, and want to go for a fish, I've got the Quintrex 7-metre yellow fin sitting in the driveway with your name on it, mate. So uh, if you're ever around, give me a bell and, and we'll go out. You can do all the fishing. You can catch the fish. I'll just kiss them and throw them back and, and sit there in awe watching you, mate. So uh, anyway, I hope you're well. Uh, good on you, boys, and, and we'll catch up soon. What a lovely man. He's a lovely man. He does. He's a big fan of yours. Isn't it amazing that most champions are lovely people? It is. It's the people that don't make it are the ones that get angry. And to me, that's an unaffected young man. And I really think the biggest lesson he will learn is from being runners-up this year, that they had a fantastic preliminary final. Uh, he had a couple of opportunities to, to put uh, GWS in front and that, uh, by the other Cameron, Leon, it won't have gone through to the keeper with young Jeremy. But I heard he was a fisherman and uh, near Dartmoor and uh, the gummies off the beach at Narrowong, that is just fantastic. But there's an unaffected young man who, when the history of the game is written, will take his rightful place. He'll be a 300-game player. And I venture to say you'll eventually get a premiership as well. I'm sure he will. Yeah. But I think most importantly, it's more importantly, is you can get on the boat with him. So hopefully <laughs> just, you can take that up. If you're up in Sydney. Just fantastic. He'd love to have you. Just lovely. Um, mate, if it's okay with you, I want to touch on something a little bit more serious. The sudden passing of your great mate, Clinton Gribus. Yeah. Uh, would, you, would, would you be keen to indulge in that? No, not really. But it cut me to the bone. I can still remember the day. It was a hot northerly. 
Uh, there was a listed race at Caulfield. Uh, at 12 o'clock, my wife was upstairs uh, getting ready to go to the Caulfield races. Uh, it was early January 2009, and the phone rang, and uh, it was before I learned how to get the uh, the number up or who was calling on my mobile phone. And uh, Graham Mott, the general manager of uh, 3OW, said, I've got some horrible news, and I just thought, what on earth has happened? You know, is it one of my kids or whatever? And he said, I'm standing at the door of Clinton Gribus's apartment, above Foxtel in South Bank and uh, they're just removing Clinton's body and I just uh, broke down and lost it. My wife and my daughter who was helping Lynn get into a dress came running down and it's affected me ever since. We were just made for each other, uh, not just on the, on the radio, on the air, but he'd ring me and if I got into a bit of trouble, he'd sort of ring and say, how's Lynn and all that sort of stuff. It cut me to the bone. Um, will I ever get over it? No. Do you move on? You certainly do. Uh, there's a couple of other uh, young boys here at 3OW who have done very, very well in the commentary, but they've also learned that no one can replace Clinton, and they are, they are themselves. But, but that was one of the darkest days for me, uh, for Clinton's family, and for football in general, because we lost a beautiful human being on that Saturday morning. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely terrible, mate. It is. Uh, I listened to your podcast. Uh, I'm Rex Hunt and you're not. It's it's a great, it's fantastic listen. Uh, I was listening actually to the one this morning about with with Cooter. Oh yeah. And you were chatting with him, obviously about his career, uh, multicultural, playing footy. You touched on his career, but then at the end you also brought up about the fact that if there was anything that he had struggled with post footy, would he be happy to talk about it to then help other people? Mm. And I think that obviously you could probably say and. and and relate to that you would take that approach, that you'd like to help people in, in those scenarios? Absolutely, because I think the uh, the biggest thing that we can offer those people who have been there and done that is to just make it a little bit easier for other people who are really struggling. And, uh, and that's why I've always got time for a phone call or I'll always sit down and listen to a tape of, you know, somebody here at 3AW or someone at another radio station, that sort of thing. Because Ron Barassi once taught me when I played uh, state football under the great Ron Barassi is that you always talk to old people because they've been there before you and more likely than not, they can help you with any situation. And I've said that to my own son and my daughter. If you've got any problems, just talk to your mum and dad because we've been you've there probably and been done there, that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's documented uh, in the past, obviously, that there has been some issues that you've, you've faced and you've been open about that. Mm. How do you keep on top of that now? Like, is it uh, something that you think about daily? Is it the fishing? Is it just keeping busy, having that purpose? No, I don't. I, I don't keep busy just because I don't want to, you know, remember some things that a couple particularly I haven't been proud of. Uh, I've had a couple of mental issues the last couple of years, which involved some pain in my neck and back, and uh, probably overindulging in too many painkillers. But the thing about it is I, uh, I've always said, and here's another lesson for the young people or the old people listening, it's not how you celebrate victory, it's how you come back after adversity. And uh, I think it was Vince Lombardi in the Green Bay Packers in, the, in America said, you know, you get knocked down nine times, but you get up ten. It might have been Muhammad, Muhammad Ali or something like that, but the, 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 the lesson is this, young Dylan, is that no matter how far you go down, as long as you get up, 
that's what it's all about. And that's I, I absolutely applaud you in in that space because I think as much as that you've done it for yourself. Yeah. The amount of people that you would have inspired. Yeah. That you've helped along a- the way. Absolutely, because I've been great- there. I've been there in, in that situation. Yeah. And the thing about it is, particularly as I said, when 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 you've got uh, critics, of of course everyone's got critics, whether they're they're vocal in the paper or whether they're silent critics. The thing about it is, there's only one answer to your critics, and that's your own success. Yeah. And there's only one person you've got to actually uh, uh, satisfy. That's the bloke you look into the mirror every morning. Well, that's uh, the motto of this show, Rex. Is, yeah. uh, is is be yourself. Absolutely. Everyone else is taken. I'm Rex Hunt, and you're not. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. There's a bit on. There's a bit in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rex. Again, I can't thank you enough for your yes, time. Yes, you can. You can. You say, I'm going to thank you because I just love speaking to you because I know that you want to get into this particular area of broadcasting, and I knew I, I had to stay start somewhere. Uh, you've got it. Be confident. Research. You know, and and what you do is you let your subject subject talk, uh, and and you'll go a long, long way. And the thing about it is, if you don't make it, don't say I didn't give it everything. People say, oh, you've got to give one hundred and one percent. Well, that's bulldust as far as I'm concerned. You give one hundred percent because that's all you can give, and you've done a pretty good start. So I'm uh, I'm going to be following your career until I go to the Tobin Bell. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This episode was proudly brought to you by Bonds. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you loved it, please rate and leave a review. If you have any feedback, want to suggest a guest or advertise with Dylan Friends, you can contact me via email, dylan at dylanfriends.com or slide into my DMs on Instagram, at dillbuckley or at dylanfriends. For bonus content and giveaways, sign up to the email list at www.dylanfriends.com and to get notifications on release, Make sure you subscribe via iTunes or wherever else you listen to the show. And remember, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.